motivation, teamwork, performance. Most leaders want that for ourselves and, of course, for all of the people in and around the business. But as people seem increasingly separated and distracted, the right types and levels of motivation can seem harder to come by. Even a great message will fail to help the business grow if your messengers lack the focus and confidence to share it. So today, we're talking with motivational speaker, trainer, and author, Paul Vitale, on the Manager Message Podcast. Welcome to the Manager Message Podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations, the ones that generate by far the most growth opportunities. There is an enormous opportunity, in fact, for business owners, managers, professionals of all stripes who want to stand out and grow. And yet many of us don't fully appreciate the extent of the opportunity that's right in front of us today, or don't know where to start addressing it, or wonder whether they and their employees or colleagues would ever have the right knowledge, skills, or personalities to lead consistently effective customer conversations. That's where my work as an author, professional speaker, and consultant comes in. And on this podcast, we're here to help you with ideas for the three necessary components for managing your message. First, there's creating the message itself, meaning the right words, stories, insights, and evidence you want your customers and prospects to know about. Second, equipping and growing your network of messengers, the people who can help you share that message. And third, management habits that will shape your culture and turn your improvements into an everyday competitive advantage. When you bring those pieces together, you will very likely enjoy improvements in revenue, market share, customer engagement, employee engagement, and the strength of your brand and reputation. I take you through that process in more detail in my new book, available from Career Press. It's titled, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Indie Books, the audio version on Audible and Apple, basically wherever fine business books are sold. You can also find a sample on my website, jimcarr.com, K-A-R-R-H. We bring all of these pieces together for you because simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. Today, we're going to focus a bit on your messengers and management and motivation. My guest and friend is Paul Vitale, who has, over the course of a couple of decades, become one of America's most sought-out motivational speakers and trainers. His clients have included ESPN, Walmart, the U.S. Postal Service, Southwest Airlines, the National Football League, three NFL teams, and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. He's now president of Matt Burke & Company, working on team-building, productivity, and sales growth. And before starting his full-time speaking and training career, Paul was director of the Convention and Visitors Bureau in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Let's jump into my conversation with Paul Vitale. Paul, this is a real treat to bring you onto the Manager Message podcast. As I mentioned in the intro, you and I have known each other for a while, and I'm a big admirer of your speaking work and your energy and 
all the different things that you do. It'll be interesting, I really think, for our listeners, the whole world of not just a motivational speaker, but the nature of motivation in the workplace and in schools and in our families and all those other settings as well. So this is a, a real treat. You probably, I'm just guessing, over the years, you know, you've, you've heard the things about motivation, motivational speakers and all of that stuff. What are you finding, though, in terms of mindset and performance of why groups and businesses continue to have a demand for motivational speakers, but even more than that, just the right mindset in their colleagues? Well, Jim, good morning. And, and it's an honor and a privilege for me to participate in this podcast. So thank you very much. To your question about motivation, it is interesting because over the years, there's been some consistent mindsets when it comes to this concept of how you move people in the right direction. And some have chosen to drink that Kool-Aid while others haven't. And it's interesting over the last 25 years or so as a public speaker, regardless of the organization and where they find themselves, they're always looking for that edge. And for some odd reason at times, they might think that they can get this edge with more of a motivated employee. I've always found it interesting that there's really no magic sauce or magic potion. I've always just demonstrated through just a simple example that, you know, energy can move people in one direction or the other, and it can either be positive or negative, and it's a choice. I know that there are a plethora of books and recordings and resources out there that illustrate how we should all consider becoming motivated, but I really do think if you boil it down, each and every day, we begin with a number of choices, as we know, tens of thousands of choices throughout a day, and being motivated, having the right state of mind, being somewhat positive versus negative, it really does begin with a choice. So it is something that I do believe that organizations are always after that edge. And I do believe it's something that will stand the test of time because we're always looking for the best in one another. And I would suppose, Paul, that there's so much in our just day-to-day, week-to-week lives that drag us down. Our own doubts and the naysayers and the noise and the comparisons to the rest of the world that perhaps one of the great things that an outside person can bring in is to not only cut through the negativity, that undertow, but also sometimes people need to be reminded of the good things and having someone else to be able to to do that probably helps as well. Well, it does. And, and let's be real. Life is extremely difficult and we do seem to be living in a more chaotic and noisy time now more than ever. And we're busy. And there's no doubt that people get beat down and they're saturated and they're inundated with everyday responsibilities. So let's be real here. When they bring in someone like myself as a speaker, I think people, when they hear motivation, they think of the, the bells and the whistles and let's bounce off the walls and let's just go woohoo. But the reality is, is life is hard and it stinks at times. I say all that out of all due respect and I'll follow it up with saying, though, that Having the gratitude and the appreciation for the good things, if we really stop long enough and say, okay, we all got up today. I'm having the opportunity to talk to a good friend of many years. I'm having the the opportunity to participate in a podcast. That's pretty cool. If I can find the good in this, then maybe I'm not going to be so focused on, 
oh, my back hurts or my feet hurt when I hit the ground this morning. And boy, there was a lot of traffic getting my daughter to school today. I mean, if I find myself with those positive thoughts versus the negative thoughts, does that give me a better chance to have a chance to have a good day? Maybe so. And Paul, for some of our listeners, a lot of people will not have been that familiar with your background to touch upon it a little bit. And I think it has certainly informed your speaking and your programs. You began working on the promotional side of of trying to draw in visitors and conventions and help publicize events, correct? That is correct. My background is in public relations and marketing. Early in my career, I had the chance to help promote the great state of Arkansas. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. Learned a lot about promotion, also learned a lot about perception. And all of that really tied in early on. And still it ties into my career today as a professional speaker and author. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about advertising and marketing. And, you know, it's interesting how on the psychological side of life, how when we see things a certain way and when we read things a certain way, we start believing things in a certain way. So I do, I do buy into positive self-talk. I do, I do buy into the question of what are we filling our minds and our, our souls with on a daily basis because that's kind of what we become more of. So yeah, it was kind of funny in a roundabout way, marketing and advertising helped me understand that, that bigger picture. It is that notion of confirmation bias, right? If we have a certain expectation, then we'll tend to see everyday life is, is probably confirming or reinforcing the way that we were thinking about things. And so sometimes we, we need that jolt. We need something that will change our perception or get us to see things in a new way. And Paul, I'm, I'm curious as well, you and I haven't talked about this specifically, but you've been doing your keynote speaking and, and your writing and your work for a while now. And in the time when you first began, social media was not the force that it is now. A lot of the, the digital communications and the noise was always there, but I think the noise in our lives and in our organizations has just been amplified time and again. I wonder if you're seeing that in, has the nature of your message, of your keynotes changed over the years too? What are people reacting to? Oh, wow. That's a great question. And most certainly the landscape of public speaking and social media and technology, the game has changed immensely. When I started out, it was Zig Ziglar on cassette tapes and Tony Robbins on QVC, and it was more info commercials. And when you thought about motivational speakers, I mean, it was Tony, it was Zig, it was Tom Peters. It was really, there was a few gurus out there who set the tempo for the industry. And now, Everyone's an expert from a social media perspective, and the whole landscape has changed immensely. Now, how has it changed the message? I will say when I started out, and I started out, I was very fortunate at a young age to have a sense of clarity that this was the career path I wanted to hop on. I was very fortunate to be able to put my effort toward public speaking, and my background supported that. So, I was kind of lucky and very blessed to, to say, okay, this is what I want to do. I can focus my attention on it. However, when it came to messaging, I had a message that was based on what I had learned from my parents, what I really believed as an individual from values and principles, and then what I read and what I had digested from the Zig Ziglar's and the Tony Robbins of the world. So my message, I felt like was was accurate, but it wasn't proven. 
Now, fast forward a couple of decades and after having some pretty cool success, but also some massive failure, now my message is a proven message. So when I stand on a stage or when I am privileged to participate in a podcast, the information that I share, I've lived it. So that's where my message has changed. I think the passion and the delivery, I've been, again, very fortunate to have that energy and that ability to be able to connect through rapport, which I believe is in so many ways a God-given talent. And then you you can also build on that. But the messaging has changed where now when I speak, Jim, it's like, look, I believe this works and I believe this doesn't work only because I've lived it in my own life. And that's where the greatest change has come. And you're probably able to bring in more personal experiences or experiences through the the sales teams, through the groups, through the organizations and people that you've worked with directly. Most certainly. And I would say this for all your listeners. When you think about the psychology and the mental health and the attitude and perspective of individuals, it is so real. I am fascinated. It doesn't matter the industry. It doesn't matter the state. It doesn't matter the country. We are all people trying to get along, trying to coexist, trying to provide the best life for our families. We're all people who are just trying to get it right. Yeah, we fail and and some days we make some pitiful choices, yet other days we say, you know, this is the best choice. And in the end, we're all people just trying to make the best of the moment and I'm fascinated. You know, I always say it's really not rocket science. We're blessed to get up. For those who are employed, we're fortunate to be employed. For those who aren't, we're fortunate to have people who want to help us if we're willing to get beyond our pride and our ego and ask. I mean, there are days that I find my ego and pride still stand in the way. And I'm like, just just, just push that to the side. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. There are opportunities out there where we can help other people and make this world a little bit better if that's what we choose to do. Some people buy into that while others don't. I still, after 40 plus years of my life, buy into it because I think that's what we're here for. But yeah, things have changed and organizations at the core, though, it still comes down to people trying to get along and coexist and do the best they can for others. And it's interesting because it sounds like that there are some foundational, fundamental things that very human things that have been constant through the years and will probably be constant as we as we look forward, as you say, about collegiality, gratitude, communication, all of those sorts of areas. So even as our as our landscape has changed, I'm curious as well, Paul. Have you had changes in how you deliver that message over time? And again, you do workshops and you do big stage keynotes and you've written books and now you're doing podcasts and things like that. But what are the kinds of things that organizational leaders in particular are asking in terms of how that message is packaged and delivered and reinforced? I think the greatest ask now is individuals want participants who attend sessions They want their participants to be able to walk out with key, simple takeaways. Can you leave the participants with three to five quick hit takeaways that they can place in their arsenal and begin to implement today? I think we have become so complex as a society and there is this noise that 
we have to simplify. We have to bring it down to the basics. You know, here comes your book in September, The Science of Customer Connections, which I cannot wait to get my hands on. Here comes your book. I can almost guarantee you that when you talk about the science of customer uh, connections, a lot of that bait is based on the simplicity of fundamentals from how we connect to people, to our posture, to our tone of voice, to a firm handshake, to a, uh, to a sincere compliment, to follow up and follow through. These basics, these are the fundamentals that have been in our society for years, but we, we have become so complex and chaos is, is taking control in, in so many ways that we've, we have forgotten these fundamentals. So meeting planners and HR professionals and individuals who hire people like me, they're like Paul. All we ask is bring the energy, make it a bit entertaining because everyone's attention span is different now, but make sure that when you hop off the stage, you've left our participants with three to five key takeaways that they can implement quickly so then they can walk out the door and feel as though they gained additional knowledge that that they didn't come in with. So I'd say to your question, it's the entertainment element at times as well as these key takeaways. I heard it said and try to internalize it as well. It, it's both being engaging in the moment, but also setting people up for success after everyone's gone home, after everyone's gone to the office. And, and like, and by the way, I really, I appreciate the plug on the book there, Paul. Well, most certainly. I, I'm looking forward to it. So what are you seeing as well? So when you talk about, and I think it's an important point that for a speaker, someone who's going to, to come in and help set a tone for an organization or for a meeting, talking about those key simple takeaways, a handful of things that are there. Are there ways that you would recommend, whether you're speaking to an association or a educational institution or government institution or company, of how they can keep the mojo going, how they can bring people back to those takeaways 30 days down the road, 90 days down the road and beyond? Yeah, I'm, I'm pondering that question. There, there are a variety of ways. However, I believe that any coach, any manager, any leader can infuse great concepts and great ideas within their team and, and into their teams. Nonetheless, it's the follow-up, it's the consistency, and it's the responsibility of that coach and that manager and that leader to stay on top of what he or she infused within their team and into their team, what they brought to the table 30 days prior. I think what happens is, is we have events and we have retreats and we have opportunities to come together and there's brainstorming ideas and there's good mojo and, and all of a sudden the rapport and the vibe and the energy is there. And then the criticism is, okay, 30 days later, we're flat again. Well, it takes those few individuals who make it a priority, make it a part of their everyday fabric to say, okay, my job is not necessarily to be a cheerleader, but yeah, my job is to exemplify energy, passion, a certain state of mind, to exemplify this to my employees day in and day out, not by just saying it, but living it and let them see it, let them feel it, let them become a part of it. And if we do it consistently, then I do believe the culture and the climate of our teams change. Now, some would say, well, Paul, that's not how I'm built. I'm not one of those raw, raw people like you. Oh, let me be clear, Jim. There are days I wake up and I the last thing I want to do is stand on a stage and tell people to have a great attitude. 
I mean, let me be frank, my friend. There are days I want to walk up to people and I want to say, let me tell you what I really think about your attitude. All right. Now, now the reality is, is, is people giggle at that. We giggle at that. But hey, there are days that my attitude stinks. There are days that I am not optimistic. There are days that I have struggled with my own anxiety and depression. I get it. Life can take that tone and that energy from you. But I have a question for your audience, and I have to ask myself this question. How much control are we going to give to the circumstances, to the situations, to the other people we deal with? How much control are we going to allow them to have over us? And you know, when I, when I ask myself that question, I ponder that and I say, okay, life's not as bad as I might think it is at this moment. It's never so bad that it couldn't be worse. If I focus on gratitude, if I, if I focus on what's going right versus what's going wrong, then I'm giving myself a chance to have a chance. And you know what? People say that is so elementary. Okay, just try it. But try it for not only today, but tomorrow. And not only tomorrow, but the next day and the next day. Try it consistently. And I think it becomes habit forming. And if it becomes habit forming, then all of a sudden we have a chance to change a little bit of that culture. But it comes down to the coaches and the leaders and those who implement it on the front end to see it through. And that's where I think at times we miss the boat. That's an important point, Paul. And when I think through the process of managing the message of oneself and, and an organization, and one of the three components of it is management habits. And I think that there's a special role here when you're thinking through, if you're a an organizational leader, when you're putting together that event that we're talking about, or just thinking about how your organization and how the people within it work on a day-to-day basis, you can get that vision, you can get that motivation, you can get those those touchstones, but there's a special role for that frontline manager that has other people, other human beings looking to them, as you say, Paul, for not only knowing what to do, but setting the right model and helping lead the right habits and showing other people how to do that and how to reinforce the right things themselves. And I I think for many of us, Paul, I certainly see it and I'll go through the same things myself, but people who will say, well, if I'm not an extrovert, I'm not an expert, I'm not that experienced, I'm a mess myself. How am I supposed to lead and motivate other people to do it? So it sounds like that there's a special role, there's a special message and encouragement for those frontline managers and coaches. Well, yes, we're all we're all mess. And that's what I try to explain to people. I mean, here you, when you go out and speak and when you do your workshops on managing your message, which is so important, you can be an introvert, you can be an extrovert. I want people to understand, look, when you walk into the room, you can sit there and not say a word. Yet when you choose to speak, you speak with authority, you speak with confidence, and then You can go back into that moment where you're a fantastic listener and you are in that moment where you're like, okay, I've contributed. Now I'm going to pull back and I'm going to listen again. These individuals who bring that sort of energy to the table at times are more effective than people like me who stand up and talk for hours. You know, they're more effective than someone like me because when they speak, they speak with that passion and that authority, yet they are phenomenal listeners. Everyone brings something to the table. And we're all messes. 
And at the end of the day, we try to bring this mess and we try to create the most beautiful mess possible together through collaboration, through the ability to see other people's ideas. And if it's not ours, we try to put ourselves in another other people's shoes and we try to give them a chance. People laugh all the time. They say, Paul, this is what we learned in kindergarten. You bet it is. You know, this is not hard. But what happens is that ego and that pride and these other detrimental behaviors come into play. And at the end of the day, we live a little bit more selfishly than selflessly. And at the end of the day, we have our our challenges and problems. That's why I commend you, Jim, for what you do in managing the message, because the message is real. And people have to understand that there is truth to first impressions, but also there's truth to last impressions. I mean, when we walk out of a conversation, people will remember the energy the tone, the message, the tempo, the posture, the eye contact, or the lack thereof that we brought to that conversation. And it's real and it's influential. Doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert, you are extremely influential. And I I would say to your point there, Paul, these things that, that we're discussing here, they're not hard in concept, but they are hard to do on a consistent basis, even though, yes, they are, as you say, it's, it's pretty, pretty simple, but it's really rooted in just human psychology and our hopes and fears and habits. I'm going to ask you a, a couple of questions before we get into the kinds of things that you're, you're doing now with your business partner, Matt Burke, and a lot of the programs that you're doing, because there've been some really cool things that you've done in the world of athletics and, and lots of different corporate organizations. But there are a couple of things that I'm curious of your viewpoint of differences and similarities that you are seeing because you do lots of different programs and with lots of different kinds of organizations. So let me start there with the different kinds of organizations. So I believe, and I'm, this will not be in a comprehensive list, but I know I've seen you recently speak to trade associations, professional association groups, teachers, government administrators, corporations, young athletes, and the, the list goes on and on. Do you see real differences if you think about people and their professional roles, the kinds of organizations that they work in, the types of of motivation and habits and what you're seeing there, is it tend to be pretty common across those or do you see big differences across groups? Well, that's an interesting question too. I think for the most part, when you look at an association, when you look at a corporation, business professionals, for the most part, regardless of the industry, the career path, the organization, there's there's a great deal of consistency. People want to feel valued. People want to know that they have a little skin in the game. People want to know that the work that they are investing their lives in has purpose and meaning. I think that is a common thread. Many individuals are beat down. They feel as though they're underpaid. They feel as though in the bigger picture, they're underappreciated. At the end of the day, that's a constant. Then you have individuals who they are just starting in an organization. You know, Maybe they're a millennial and they just completed their education and they're starting their professional career and boy, they have the juice and they have the vinegar and they're ready to roll. And then you have the veterans who've been there for a number of years, and they're still trying to figure out how they can recreate that vinegar, as I would say, and that spice in their job. 
So all of that is pretty consistent. When you break it down into a student athlete or a professional athlete, and then with students at a collegiate level or secondary, post-secondary, there's a lot of similarities there. Many students, they're trying to figure out where they fit in, and they're just trying to figure out the why to education and how they're going to pay for it. And will there be jobs out there once they graduate, et cetera. But yeah, at the end of the day, the dynamic in the psychology, as you said, of people, it's very consistent. Again, we want to feel as though we are valued. We want to feel as though we're part of a team. We want to feel as though what we bring to the table, people will be willing to listen to and consider. A lot of people want to feel liked while others say they don't care, but really deep down inside, everybody wants to feel a part of a group. And then there's those who work better on their own and they don't want to be micromanaged. And they they would say, give me a task, show me how to complete this task and then leave me alone. But yeah, at the end of the day, similarities are out there. And that's actually a benefit for individuals like myself and others who go out and try to encourage and motivate because Yes, I'm always looking for new material and I'm always looking for great examples. But at the end of the day, if you've kind of figured out how you feel as a human being, if you can take that concept and, and how you feel and if you can relate it to others, then you you have a chance to to hopefully be effective as a speaker or a trainer or a facilitator, et cetera. Sure. Paul, that does make sense. And I'll have you slice that thing in a different direction and look at similarities and differences as well across age groups. So it would be easy to fall into the trap of all these millennials, all these Gen Y, Gen Z, and look at those. And certainly younger people today, even in just in terms of a communications environment, has been very, very different the way that they have learned and socialized. We look at a lot of the societal norms and institutions and families and things like that is, you know, eroded a bit or certainly changed a bit over time. But you work with a lot of young people as well as more mature professionals. So I'm curious from your standpoint, Paul, what, if any, big differences are you seeing across the generations in terms of values, need for recognition, what motivates people? Well, there's most certainly gaps between generations. However, there's always been gaps. I think the greatest change is technology and the greatest change is how that technology has changed in the way we do communicate. When I think about millennials and then when I think about Gen X's, there's a gap there And there's really a gap in vocabulary and there's a gap in the expectations of how quickly a text message should be returned or how quickly should you put together a new profile on on Instagram or or LinkedIn and how often should you change your photo and your profile, et cetera, et cetera. There's this gap in technology and how we communicate. But then you take Gen X and the baby boomers, there's really not that gap. It's funny. I'm a Gen Xer and I can remember... Years ago, when when I came out of high school and college, that baby boomers at the time, you know, they had criticism of us, just like many of us criticize millennials. But at the end of the day, those criticisms have fallen by the wayside because now everybody comes down on the millennials. It's just easy to do that. But at, at the end of the day, really, the only time I've struggled with that gap, for instance, with millennials, is that their vocabulary 
And the meaning behind certain words that we use, Jim, when we were growing up, it's just changed. It's not awesome anymore. It's you're on point or this is dope or this is fire or this is Gucci. You know, these are words that unless you're in schools, you you might never hear these if you're a baby boomer or you're a Gen Xer. But I've always said to millennials, I've always challenged them, would someone please write a book with all of these new vocabulary words in the definition so then we can understand it? I look at my father, who I'm very blessed to, to still have a dad at 82, and, and he's from the silent generation. And Jim, here's a guy who is amazed at the speed of technology where we can pull up profiles on social media and social networks. He's amazed that all of this information exists and that a telephone book doesn't really exist anymore and that Google and all of these different opportunities on on the internet exist. That's fascinating to that generation that really they've never seen anything like it. So to your question, it's vocabulary, it's communication, it's the speed of technology. That's where some of the greatest gaps are generational that I've seen. Paul, let's take a bit of a turn here toward your most recent work. As we record this message manager listeners, we're headed into the fall and the beginning of the NFL football season. You have, in the recent past, I know, done substantial work within the NFL, but you're also in a partnership with a former NFL star. And be interesting if you can pull those together and talk about the direction that you're taking with your programs and the people that you talk to. Most certainly. Matt Burke was a professional athlete who played in the National Football League for 15 years as a starting center, 11 years with the Minnesota Vikings, and then he went on to the Baltimore Ravens and won a Super Bowl before he retired back in 2013. And Jim, I'll tell you, growing up, I had two dreams. I had two goals. I wanted to become a public speaker, and for whatever reason, I wanted to work in professional sports and and mainly football. I say all that to say that I've, again, been very fortunate to be able to tie the two together based on Clarity in the sense that when I graduated from college, I'll never forget my college advisor said, look, if you want to work in the NFL, you need to take out a piece of paper and a pen and you need to start writing letters to NFL teams and you need to ask them for an opportunity. And and I know, again, we'll talk about the millennials. People find it interesting that we wrote letters back then and it might not have been typed and it might not have been on a computer. It was actually handwritten letters. But anyway, I say that to say that for years I wrote these letters and gosh, about a decade ago. One of the teams finally answered one of those letters. And and when I say for years, I wrote letters for about 10 years to teams asking for an opportunity. And finally, the Minnesota Vikings answered a request. And it is kind of funny to get to your question. I'll I'll use this background story. I was contacted by the community relations department of of the Minnesota Vikings. And they said, listen, you know, we've got your correspondence. We have an opportunity for you to come speak. If you'd like to take this opportunity, here are the parameters. It's going to be an event in December. And in December in Minnesota, it's cold. So be prepared for that. You're going to have a group of 35 students, high school students who've won an essay contest. We're we're going to give you 10 minutes to speak to them. You're not going to get paid for this and we're not going to pay for your travel. So if you want to show up at our indoor facility on this particular day, show up. We'll give you 10 minutes and, and then you can go on your way. Well, naturally, Jim, that was the break I was waiting for. <laughs> Did you have to find a, a team of Huskies 
you know, sled dogs and plan out you know, for, for your plan B of transportation? It, well, you know, that was that would have been a good idea because it was snowing that day. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating. It was minus 17 and I had never felt minus 17 in my life. So I, I learned a lot about cold weather. But here's what's crazy about this. This is what's interesting. And this is what I would offer to your listeners. The average person would say, well, that's not much of an opportunity. Well, for me, it was. And most certainly I said yes. And most certainly I flew to Minnesota and I had those 10 minutes. Here's what I would say. You never know who's listening to those 10 minutes. You never know who's coming through the drive through when you're a frontline employee. You never know who's at the, at the front counter when you're a frontline employee behind that counter or that desk. You never know. I spoke for 10 minutes and in the back of the room, the starting center at the time was standing there and his name was Matt Burke. And he was there to receive a community award after I got done speaking. So Jim, when I was done speaking, I'll never forget this guy because he's a big guy, 325 pounds, about six, seven. You walk past someone like that when you're my height and my weight and you're going to notice him. So I walked past this guy and he had his arms folded. I'll never forget. And he said, hey, my name's Matt. And I said, hey, Matt, I didn't know who he was. And he said, I just listened to your message. And he said, man, that was really a good message. And I said, well, thank you. He said, you know, we should talk sometime. And there it was right there. He said, we should talk sometime. And that's where the door cracked. Now, to the average person, maybe someone would say, hey, yeah, we should talk sometime. And they would have walked right past this guy and walked right out the door. and, And that would have been it. Well, when he received his award after he was done, naturally, I'm standing in the back of the room waiting for him to get done. And we started to talk. Now, almost 12 years later, that conversation's still going. So that is such a pivotal lesson. And that's such a pivotal moment. It was a pivotal moment in my life where I realized that those 10 minutes cracked the door with someone who said, let's have a conversation. And it gets back to you managing messages and what you do, Jim. We took that message. We began to collaborate on that message. Now, I ended my company last year and I started working alongside Matt Burke and company. And now I have the privilege to not only manage Matt as a professional speaker, but also continue my speaking. And I get to do it with a very good friend, a gentleman who just happened to play in the, in the National Football League, who is very passionate about education, very passionate about people. One of the most humble guys I know. After 15 years in the league, he could be a lot of things. He's, he's a genuine guy who literally just challenges people to maximize their potential. And he does it in a very humorous and humbled way. And that all started from those 10 minutes back years ago in Minnesota. So yeah, it's been a phenomenal process, but people here in Arkansas, they ask me all the time, they're like, Paul, we don't have professional sports here. How in the world, if I have a dream, like to go to work for a team or to get involved in sports or to get involved in the music industry as an artist, how in the world do you do it? I believe in simplicity. You write the letter still to this day, a handwritten note. In fact, a handwritten note has more potency and more power today than ever before because it's a lost art. You write the notes, you write the letters, you ask the questions. And if you're really passionate about it, you really don't quit until someone answers those letters or those notes. And if you get the no, then you keep going. And I still believe in that. That's a great story. And of course, true and meaningful and a good illustration. And by the way, yes, there is great power these days. When you think of 
there's not as much noise inside a snail mail mailbox <laughs> versus the your email inbox. And it is a way for you to be distinctive and to show a little bit of extra effort and clarity as well. Paul, this has been a great conversation. Could you share with us the information, your site, Matt Burke and Company, and the ways that we can keep up with you and learn from you? Most certainly. So Matt Burke and Company, what we focus on is we do focus on professional speaking, as well as consulting. We consult with organizations in cultural changes, as well as sales and marketing, as well as customer service training. We also have the chance to work with organizations with educational products when it comes to essential skills to the workplace in some of our modules and some of our learning management systems online. So Matt Burke and Company, we try to be a versatile group that more than anything supports the efforts of organizations that are trying to maximize their potential. So that's all in place there. One other thing I'd like to say that I really enjoy doing under the company, and that is professional presentation coaching. That is an area that I thoroughly enjoy working with individuals in because you can see them improve exponentially in a very short time. So that's a service that we offer as well. For any information, additional information on Matt Burke and Company, you can always visit our website at mattburkeandcompany.com. And that will put any of your listeners in direct contact with me. And that's in regards to myself or Matt Burke. Terrific. And we will, of course, include links of what we've talked about here today in our show description. Paul Vitale, you're a treasure, my friend. I really appreciate you being here on the Manager Message Podcast. Well, Jim, thank you so much. And once again, congratulations on your upcoming book. I am a big fan of yours. I have been reading your articles for years and publications throughout this state. Thank you for the information that you offer to many people like myself. You're a treasure as well, and it's been an honor to participate this morning. My thanks to Paul Vitale for joining the Manager Message podcast, and my thanks to you for jumping in as well. Whether you are a returning Message Manager listener, perhaps this is your very first time in. We continue to build momentum because so many of you have been recommending us to friends and colleagues, leaving those five-star ratings. It's important. If you haven't yet done so, please take just a few seconds and tap subscribe and offer your five-star rating and review. That helps the robots let other professionals know about the podcast so they can benefit as well. There is one other free business messaging resource that you might want to know about. It's one that you can read called the Message Manager Memo. It comes to your email inbox, a brief read with something practical you can put to work right away. You can sign up on my website, jimcard.com. And one last thing, while you're there, you're either in or know of a professional association or company full of people who are looking for ways to improve their professional conversations and to grow the business this year. On my website, You'll see a speaking page as well as a related page just for event professionals with some ideas for making in-person events memorable and valuable for months and even years to come. You can email me directly at jim at jimcard.com. We can set up a time to talk by phone if you like or on a Zoom conference call. My direct number is also on the website. Let's talk. And until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation. Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. 
You'll find show notes and other resources at managermessagepodcast.com and jimcar.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. And connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.